long-anticipated pilot episode of Duh, the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a healthy combination of narcissism and mental insanity. I'm one of your co-hosts, Josh. Yeah, co-host number two. I'll remain nameless for now. Um, (laughs) Go ahead, Jay. Well, thank you for the intro, Sherm. Um, Yeah, Jay, best for last. Also, just want to get this out there right now. Kenny Pickett has the biggest dick in the NFL. Yeah, we'll see about that. All right, and segment one is going to be the NFL Sunday recap. We're going to start with Cardinals at Falcons. Yeah, biggest waste of time ever. I feel bad for anyone who paid for tickets for this game. Yeah, pretty much both teams were already eliminated from the playoffs before this game even started, so not much on this one. Yeah, the only comment I have on a personal level is probably should have started Marquise Brown in fantasy, and he is still would be without a doubt the most talented receiver on the Ravens roster, but that's pretty much it. No actual importance in this game. Yeah, so from this one, do do we think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be fired, or does the Kyler injury give him some hope into next season? I think Kingsbury is just going to resign just out of being – beyond pissed off with the entire organization. And Kyler really matters. a little prick. I think they're going to be bad regardless of what happens. Yeah, Kyler signing that long-term deal and did not play like he deserved it. Quick David Blau shout-out, Purdue University. Only produces great quarterbacks. Respect that. On another quarterbacking note, uh, the Falcons just should have stayed with Marcus Mariota all season because the NFC South is a joke and they would have had a chance. For the record, Marcus Mariota is the most disrespected quarterback in the NFL. No, I was team Marcus Mariota coming into the season, so I'm not going to argue there. I mean, I will die on the hill of defending any and all Pac-12 quarterbacks, specifically Oregon and USC. And Cal Berkeley, but I digress. It's hard to argue that they would not be in playoff contention. Well, not playoff contention, but in contention for winning the NFC South, which is by default a playoff spot, if he was still playing. Yeah, I mean, I hate to make the argument they would have beaten the Ravens with Marcus Mariota. Therefore, they would have been in the NFC South conversation. The Pitts injury is what killed them. All right, we've already talked about this game for far too long. All right, well, next game is one I know you boys are going to like to talk about, Bears at Lions. I mean, Jared Goff, period. Exclamation point. <laughs> well, this win, yeah. this win keeps, the, keeps the Lions alive for the playoffs. It's going to come down to a couple things in Week 18. They're going to need to beat the Packers, and I think they need a Seahawks loss. Yep. Uh, macro, or excuse me, micro, he played his ass off today. The Lions have been an extremely fun team. This is a Lions-friendly podcast. Bigger picture, I wholeheartedly believe they are going to get their dicks kicked in in Lambeau next week, and the Packers will make the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs on the line in Green Bay. I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing that game. So the, the run comes to an end. 
Justin Fields having more rushing yards by almost like double the amount than passing yards is just insane to me. Like, yeah, I was gonna bring him up. How how do we feel about him moving forward? Like, where where is he headed? Is he going to maintain this level of excitement while putting together some wins, or is he going to be a guy who can't get it done with his arm, can't win games when they're trailing? I think he's going to be Andrew Luck 2.0 in terms of the Bears are getting fucking killed to the point where he's just going to retire before he's 30. I think you're giving him too much credit, and I don't even like Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck comp is insanity. I'm just talking about purely in terms of how many times he's going to get hit and, like, retire early because of taking so much damage early. Well, when purely play on the field, they could not be more different. Yeah, I think when what's his face um, called Justin Herbert a social media quarterback, I think Justin Fields is the definition of a social media quarterback because he's an athletic freak. But what were his passing numbers this week? They were something atrocious, like nine for twenty with less than a hundred yards and a pick. But he had seven, ten carries. Seven of twenty-one. Yeah, and but he had ten carries for like a buck thirty. So, and the thing is that I think people are, yes, the Bears are tanking, but I think the people, the thing that people are overlooking too much is the fact that he has a chance to win these games late, almost every week for the past month or so, and he's giving it away. Like, he is playing poorly from the pocket, extremely badly, making Lamar Jackson look like fucking Kurt Warner by my eyes right now. So that's a huge concern, but the Bears are also so bad it may not matter. In his defense as the resident Steelers fan of the group, he is throwing to Chase Claypool as his number one currently, which is just awful. And Cole Komet, who is, like, at best – Currently, like the nineteenth best tight end in the NFL. I mean, so. Cole Komet deserves a little bit more respect than that, but I just, yeah, I just don't think Fields has the consistency throwing. I don't think he'll be able to get it done long term. But he's exciting as hell to watch. So enjoy it, Bears fans. Wholeheartedly, that they need a lot of help roster wise, but I'm just not one of the people who's enamored by his rushing plays and just fully ready that he's the guy in Chicago for the next five-plus years. I am not on that side of history. Well, I mean, they should just bring back Jay Cutler, in my opinion. All right, to end this game, on the other side of the ball, Jared Goff, we're all big fans. Does he deserve to be in MVP conversations? I'm not saying the MVP. Does he deserve to be in the conversation? Because he spreads the ball like no other. He is that offense. Absolutely not. Fair. Only as much as I love Jared Goff and, like I said, Pac-12 for life, um, you can't be that atrocious on the road. I mean, he's literally the, the Colorado Rockies of the NFL. Yeah, I would, um, I wouldn't even – 
Yeah, not MVP conversation. I mean, the Lions are already over their win total for the year after an atrocious start, which is impressive, and he deserves a ton of credit for basically, I mean, they shipped him off to Siberia after the Matthew Safford trade, and I feel like the entire NFL world kind of just expected Jared Goff to never be heard from again. So the fact that he's playing this well deserves credit, but he does have that fatal flaw, I feel like, almost – similar to Derek in the AFC, which is a whole other discussion, but can't play in the cold, isn't great on the road. Like, he is throws the prettiest ball you will ever see in a dome and will play a perfect game, but outside on the road, he's just not good enough to be an MVP. That's fair. So, all right, let me lay this on you. Over 4,000 passing yards, 29 touchdowns to seven picks. In the top ten on all major quarterback categories, does he have a argument to be in comeback player of the year, even though he wasn't injured? It's more realistic than MVP. For sure. I just don't know if he qualifies for that in, in terms of the fact that he basically played all of last season. So I don't think he would get that, but I think he deserves massive, massive credit. He deserves national recognition for how he's been playing this year. If you polled major media outlets and quote-unquote experts at the beginning of the year and asked them yay or nay, will Jared Goff finish top 10, borderline top five in all major passing statistics, it would have been a resounding no. And here we are. All right, that brings us to our next game. Broncos at Chiefs. Oh, God. Colin, I'll give you the floor with this one, and I will edit that out. I will honestly (laughs) save my Chiefs takes for our state of the franchise talk later. Spoiler alert, but... On the Broncos side, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I borderline feel bad for Russell Wilson at this point. I think he actually hit rock bottom and played his ass off in this game. This was his longest yard Paul Crew moment where they stopped blocking for him and he just <laughs> got a scramble with no helmet on. So I think they showed up and played hard and yeah, I, I, I will talk about the Chiefs in depth a little later, but the thing I will say is I don't think the offense is the problem. I don't think Mahomes look great, but I also think 17 points should have been enough to win this game too. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs, they they, they did what they needed to do. They won the game. They'll be watching the game Monday night for seeding concerns, but they're doing what they need to do to get the one seed. The, the way that the way they use their weapons is just unreal. You never know who it's going to be. In the last month, Jarek McKinnon has like six touchdowns in four weeks. Seven receiving touchdowns now in the past Eight. five weeks. Which yeah, you never you never know where it's coming from with them, and that that's the scary part with them is is there's multiple options when yeah, one's being taken away. Let's put it this way, as a final note for me, as a Chiefs fan, I always expect them to win. I never expect them to cover. All right. Let me let me bring some context to Russell Wilson. First of all, 
him having 12 bathrooms in his house is egregious. Um, I just want to get that out there now. But he's now on his third play caller of the season, which I don't think is talked about nearly enough. No one talks about how horrific the offensive line is without Garrett Bowles. Losing Javante Williams early on in the season, and then Melvin Gordon deciding to just give the other team the ball every time he touches it did not help. Fair. Uh, I think the receiving core is criminally overrated. Um, I don't know who decided to name Cortland Sutton and fucking Jerry Judy, the new age, Randy Moss, and Chris Carter before the season, but I, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. So I think um, his supporting cast was a little overblown. That team is still 95% defense, and I think Russ, year one, being Mr. Cringe, is not built to carry uh, a less-than-supporting cast, personally, with a, a head coach that was way, way, way in over his head in Nathaniel Hackett. So I think, um, you know, I don't think the season went the way it was supposed to, but I also think the expectations going into the season were a little too high. I was guilty of it myself, um, picking them to win the division. But um, I think next year you give him a coach like Frank Reich or someone of that that ilk. Um, the Broncos are uh, at least a nine and eight football team. Um, and with that, I mean, I'll, I'll save my Chiefs takes for when I need to put Colin and in, Jeter in on state of the franchise. Um, but long story short, Patrick Mahomes is the new Tom Brady in terms of system, criminally overrated. And yeah, I mean, oh, okay, you got such it. a douchebag. He is such a douchebag. Honestly, I feel like I love Patrick Mahomes strictly if it wasn't for his wife and his brother. Fair. Like, they are the worst two people on the fucking planet. They are not fun to look at either. They are not easy on the eyes. <laughs> yeah, it makes it tough for him for sure. Josh, you have anything else or you want me to close this off? I had one more thing I was going to say. Yeah, I'll I'll give my two cents on the Russell Wilson situation because I was very low on him coming into the season, and he proved me right. But now everyone thinks he's you know he's done for good. I I don't think so. I think we haven't heard the last of Russell Wilson. Uh, his receivers are defending him online, which is which says a lot as is. I think he comes back next season and has a good, a decent year. I don't think he'll ever be the Russell Wilson people used to think of, but now that now that everyone's out on Russell Wilson, watch out. Yeah, the sharp, the sharp. Now that everyone's left him for dead, I think it would be impossible for him to play worse next season than he did this season. The only thing I will say is I'm calling bullshit on everybody retroactively being like this was a horrible situation he could never succeed in when preseason they were literally getting picked, like you said, by masses of people to win this division. So, and here's the thing. Now that it's all said and done, I agree that it wasn't a great decision with a coach. They picked to lure Aaron Rodgers there and an offense with weapons and an O-line that was deemed much better than they are. Basically, what I'm saying is 
I want credit for calling bullshit in May that they would finish last in the division and the Chiefs would coast to another division title when everybody else was crowning them. That's well, the only thing that I like I said, injury wise, you you lose a top six or seven tackle and you lose, you know, an up and coming legit stud at running back, you know, first three, four weeks of the season. Look it, at the chart. Again, with a with a coach that's incapable. So Yes, I agree, but I would argue that the Chargers had worse injuries and a borderline as incapable coach, and here they are clinching the playoffs as of last week. Trying to suggest that Brandon Staley is on the same level or even in the same stratosphere as how pathetic Nathaniel Hackett was this year is just just being intellectually dishonest. Well, preseason Denver's roster and the Chargers roster were deemed equally awesome with equally excellent quarterback play, and here we are. So he deserves something. Yeah, the Chargers are going to be 11-6. and six. <clears throat> Like, they, they did what they're supposed to do, and that was without Joey Bosa for a bunch of the season. They lost Khalil Mack yesterday. We'll, I mean, we'll get to the Chargers later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just – I just want to know what, what he's trying to say here. I mean, it's just a bad comp, a bad comp, very bad comp. I think his point was that the Broncos have significantly underperformed, and I don't think anyone can argue with that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Despite Despite injuries, despite all that, they made a massive trade to get their guy because they thought they were a quarterback away, and no, it, nothing worked out in their favor. Totally agreed. All right, next game, Dolphins at Patriots. Um, I'll start this one off as the co-founder and leader of Tuanon. Um, they need to shut it there. I don't just. I know if, he, if they play and win next week and, and they're in the playoffs, season's over. Shut it down. You're not winning the Super Bowl. Tua has had 17 concussions in the last 48 hours. Like, just shut it down. Play for next year. You did good things. Um, there, he has no business playing next week. Just send uh, Bitchwater back out there if he's if his hands good. If not, Skylar Thompson, Kansas State shout out. Um, next week, whatever. But the the Dolphins just need to, to shut to it down. With that being said, Mac Jones is. Probably one of the most respected players in the NFL. Um, having Matt Patricia being your play caller is, um, I mean, I kind of don't really need to say anything else about that situation. You know, everyone's like, oh, Max regressed, this, that, and the other. He is throwing to nobody. And he has a buffoon calling plays. And Belichick is just stuck in his way as much as I love Bill Belichick. Um, the Patriots, whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs, if they get in, um, which is pretty unlikely, but they're going to get their fucking teeth kicked in by just about anybody. So, as far as I'm concerned, this game was pretty much irrelevant other than getting the Steelers into the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, two needs to be shut down. The Patriots are doing a complete disservice to Mac Jones if they – they want him to develop into a franchise guy, which he easily could be. 
Yeah, I mean, Patriots 23, Dolphins 21. Patriots doing what they need to do to keep their playoff hopes alive. As if we expected anything else from Bill Belichick. He'll never be, he'll never be counted out. He's always going to win when he needs to win. He might find a way to win next week against the Bills. Who knows? But Bill Belichick staying alive until week 18. Yeah, Mac Jones. His situation is as bad as it can get. He is a defensive coordinator calling plays. No help on the outside. Their running backs fumble the ball just about as much as anyone else, which is does not get talked about enough. Ramondre Stevenson gets a, gets a lot of love. He's a turnover machine. But the Dolphins, last five weeks, five five losses. I mean, I'm out there on the front lines doing my part to keep them out of the playoffs. Uh, Tua doesn't deserve it <laughs> the way he's been playing. Mike McDaniels, you know, he's got jokes, but, you know, five losses in a row, that's not good. Once they started facing, you know, that a little bit better competition, their schedule got uh, got the best of them. Well, to me, it doesn't seem like he's really adjusting at all. You know, when they're, the commentators are showing, like, scheme-wise, like, they're doing a lot of the same things, and they really got exposed, I feel like, in that Green Bay game. Uh, not the Green Bay game, I'm sorry. Uh, who did they lose 49ers? to? 49ers? Yeah, the, dude, D'Amico Ryans completely fucking hung them out the dry. I mean, everything they tried to do was just – getting shut down completely. And I think that game alone completely shot to his confidence. Um, he hasn't been the same player since that game. He looked visibly shaken and borderline, not borderline, he looked fucking terrified in that game. Um, you know, they got pressure coming from everywhere. And now, too, is starting to get happy feet, throwing to people that aren't there, throwing balls that are just, you have no idea who, who he's throwing to. Um, I think some of that is on the coach because it doesn't seem like they're making many adjustments um, last few weeks. Um, but, yeah, think, no, the Dolphins season is done. I think Tua got a lot of confidence early on throwing the ball up and Waddle and Hill coming down with them repeatedly. And I think uh, that confidence has bit him in the ass as now he's throwing it up and now they're getting caught by the other team. They always yeah. had the potential and his his players were making plays and now now they're not. And well, especially it's, it's leading to turnovers. His game is about being on time, anticipation throws. You know, a lot of people, his comp was Drew Brees. Not saying he's going to ever put up the numbers Brees did, but, like, in terms of just style of play, how he's going to be successful, it's about accuracy, timing, um, anticipation, reading coverages, blah, blah, blah. Right now, with the way things are going, he is doing none of that. He's throwing, you know, like Sam Darnold said against the Patriots a few years ago. Like, he, he's seeing ghosts out there. Like, he's throwing the ball to the fucking defense half the time. Um, his completion percentage is in the toilets, like, under 50% the last three, four weeks. Um they just need to shut it down, you know, for, for his health long-term. And just, you know, you have to be realistic. They're not going to beat the Dol- – I mean, I'm sorry, they're not going to beat the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs in the postseason. They're damn sure not going to beat uh, even teams like the Chargers. I think they play right now to a fully healthy, all things equal, neutral site. They get smoked by the Jaguars. 
I think they get smoked. Yeah, I definitely think they're, you know, on the bottom half of the NFL playoffs if they, or the AFC playoffs if they even make it in. I think whoever they get matched up against is going to be tough for them. I think, you know, you take all 14 playoff teams, you know, if they were to get in, I think they would be the worst playoff team, even in the NFC. If you pick Philadelphia in the NFC, I still think they're the worst playoff team. Uh, the Ravens exist. Or the Dolphins or either one. What? Patriots or Dolphins or either one. I would say the Dolphins. Patriots, I think the Patriots would beat, like, say, hypothetically, uh, the Buccaneers. I think uh, I would put them above the Buccaneers in the power rankings if that were to be the case. But um, the Dolphins, I just don't think they have enough. The defense isn't enough, even though Jalen Phillips is uh, is really coming on. Um, and like I said, to, uh, I, I can't say it enough. The things you've seen from him health wise this year, like him just collapsing on the field, um, early on, shit like that, like they just need to shut it down. Um, just, and just kind of play for next year. Yeah. Rumors of him watching film, just not knowing what happened at the end of, uh, that last game he played in. It's just, it's not looking good. I think. I agree. I think he needs to to be sidelined and just see if he can can get better for next year. Might even might even be a career long thing with the amount of injuries he's had in a short period of time. Hundred percent. My only uh, thoughts on this game really are that Belichick does deserve massive credit for still having this defense ship shape and in playoff contention. I mean, they've had two defensive touchdowns the past two weeks, and that's pretty much what it's going to take for them to win. So I give him credit for having them ready to play. And again, being a tough out, God forbid they make it in. I'm sure it will be a one-score game if somebody has to play New England in the playoffs. And then on the Dolphins' end, I just think big picture, it just makes the QB conversation even more difficult because you feel for Tua, again, when he's been healthy, he's played well, well enough to be a playoff team and – I'm sure they're tossing up whether or not they really want to move on from him at the ex- because of all the injuries he's had. So I feel like if he was not hurt and playing bad, they could easily move on. But I feel like they're still stuck in the same spot with him that they were going into this season. Well, I think it's also a big free agent destination. You know, if they are to try to move on from him and the Ravens aren't able to get a deal with Lamar, um, he's, you know, kind of hold out, not play under the franchise tag. I mean, I think that's that's somewhere. I don't think the Dolphins are a team that would go after someone like a Derek Carr, though. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to be in a position to pay their quarterback $30, $40 million just yet, unless it is someone uh, like Lamar. Um, so, yeah, I think at this point you're kind of stuck with Tua, which kind of just furthers my point as far as uh, – Shut it down, you know, unless you know for sure you get Lamar Jackson. Like, just you're stuck with Tua for the time being. Yeah, last thing on this game, that they showed some shots of Mike McDaniels on the sideline out there. He looked small, and he looked very cold. So he does look small. He's funny to look at, though. All right, on to the next game, Colts at Giants. My notes here are Giants handle business. Uh, Colts are dead. 
Daniel Jones does not get near that for his growth. Um, yeah, I mean, Giants clinched. I mean, they it, clinched with a week left. Daniel Jones, two rushing, two passing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, 90 rushing yards um, to go with those touchdowns. He's not turning the ball over. He's under 10 turnovers total uh, this season. The turnover numbers come down every single season for him. Um, doesn't get enough credit. Everyone's been kind of writing his obituary for the last couple of years, especially with Dable coming in saying, you know, if he doesn't perform with Dable, he's done. Well, guess what? He's performed with Dable. Um, they're a playoff team with a week to go. Um, can't say enough about Daniel Jones. Uh, I will I'll fall on my sword for that one. Um, I thought he had bust written all over. I think he's a, he's an exceptional talent per se, but um, you can def you clearly can win games with them with the right sport cast. Um, you know, Saquon at this point to me at least is the runaway comeback player of the year, um, and the receiving core is a complete joke for the most part between Kadarius Tony not really working out for whatever reason. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a thief. Um, you know, can't say enough about Daniel Jones. Kayvon Thibodeau seems to be a home run at fifth overall pick, despite being a douchebag for doing snow angels next to him. Yeah, that stunt he pulled was unbelievable. You know, honestly, I feel like selfishly, um, like, if that was, like, T.J. Watt or something, I'd be like, fuck yeah, like, fuck you, Nick Bowles. But, you know, seeing that with somebody else, I'm like, God, like, that's such a dick move. He was spazzing um, the field. And, and to repeat, well, you know, what Jeff Saturday was saying after the game, yeah, honestly, shame on the Colts, offensive linemen, or, or anyone for that matter, to not, you know, take matters into their own hands. You know, it, the circle back to the Steelers again, like, if that was Ben Roethlisberger or if that was now Kenny Pickett, dude, the whole offensive line, like Marquise Pouncey back in the day, like they would have fucking lit him up. So the fact that the Colts' offensive line um, did nothing during that whole shenanigans, I think, says a lot about how that team has just completely quit this season. Um, yeah, brings me back to their dead. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, that team is he did say after the game he did ha- he wasn't aware of what was going on, which is I don't know how that's possible with how clean in the video he looks right at, him. and then he yeah, I'm pretty sure Nick Foles is like screaming in pain too, like so I don't know, but he did apparently deny it, and my thing is I do think Dayball deserves more credit than Daniel Jones. I think Josh Allen was better last year when Dayball was still his offensive coordinator, and I think all. of what we're seeing on the Giants is Dayball coming in and writing the ship because the roster isn't overly talented outside of Saquon. And Daniel Jones is without a doubt a top five running back or running quarterback in the NFL. But I'm still not convinced on him as a long-term starter. I think he'll take a hometown discount to stay in New York with Dayball, though. No, I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, like, I mean, he's definitely a franchise quarterback, but I don't think he's ever going to be in that top 12 class. But I, I view him as a, a a much more athletic Jimmy Garoppolo type player. Um, you, you can win a lot of games with him. Like, I think with more talent around the team, um, I think 
you know, he could be a guy that gets to an NFC championship or even gets to a Super Bowl like the Niners did when they were, you know, absurdly talented, much like the Niners are this year. You know, I kind of see a similar, uh, the Giants giving a similar vibe to the Niners. Obviously, they're not on that level, but, you know, the, the makings are there. Um, yeah, no, Dable, like I said, Saquon is the runaway comeback player of the year. I feel the same way about Dable as a coach of the year. Yeah, I won't argue that whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> and I do think a more athletic Jimmy Garoppolo is a fair comp. Yeah, I'll wrap this one up with saying Giants, pretty sure they're locked in at the sixth seed to my knowledge. They are and- I don't know if their seeds clinch, but they have clinched a playoff berth. Yeah, I don't think there's a way they can get out of the sixth seed up or down. But as of now, season end today, they're playing the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. And we'll touch on that game in a little bit. But that's a winnable playoff game for Daniel Jones. And then that will really get the people talking. So fun stuff to look forward to as a Giants fan. Next game, this one's going to be tough for some of us to talk about. Saints at Eagles. Saints beat the Eagles. Eagles wanted this one bad for draft pick purposes. They had the Saints draft pick. They couldn't get it done. Gardner looked sloppy all day. Something's clearly wrong with Jalen Hurts because you know the Eagles wanted to win this one. Andy Dalton played his fucking dick off. Yesterday, outside of the the one pick, I mean, he he played a pretty flawless game for what he's asked to do. Um, yeah, uh, the really, I think the Eagles win that game uh, if Gardner doesn't have obviously that that back breaking pick six. I think they uh, I think they go up there. But um, yeah, no, not too much to say positive about this game as someone who heavily bet on Philadelphia to uh to cover um but you know gotta give the Saints credit you know they had they knew that they had to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive you know obviously dependent on the the Carolina Tampa game but um you know give, give the Saints credit they they did what they were supposed to do Philly um yeah just kind of shit the bed I will not give the Saints a shred of credit for doing what they are supposed to do and I never thought I could hate the Saints more than when Sean Payton and Drew Brees were there. But somehow, between Dennis Allen being the worst coach in history and then benching Jameis Winston, I am full-fledged loathing of the Saints once again. They had, not only did we have Gardner playing in fantasy, not only is he a friend of the podcast, but... He really didn't even play that bad outside of that one back-breaking throw. And the biggest thing I thought was that their run game got shut down for most of the most of the first half especially. And there were a lot of zone read plays where he was just refusing to ever keep the ball, and he could have easily picked up 10 to 15 yards running. But, yeah, the Saints had no business winning this game. Lost you guys' money, just pissed me off. And, yeah, it would have been nice for them to move up higher with the draft pick, but the Eagles are in serious trouble now going into next week, although I don't think whoever they're playing has anything to play for. It's divisional, though, so they'll probably still give it a run. Um, well, also, it hurts to be back because he, he needs to play. Because if he doesn't play and then they have to buy, 
I mean, that means Hertz will have not played for almost a, a, a full month, if not longer. So, I mean, he, he has to come back, um, knock that rust off, get the juices flowing again. Cause I, I don't think regardless of who they play in the first round, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the divisional round, um, you know, taking that long off, you have a team potentially that's, that's on a roll, like for potentially the Giants or someone like that. Um, I, I think they're in big trouble. I just don't know if he's healthy enough. I I heard they were they wanted him to play this week, so I don't think it's a matter of a rest versus rust thing. I just don't think he's cleared yet to go. Well, Sirianni said after the game that he was close, and that is day to day. Um, so I I think I think he's for sure playing next week. Um, I'm just saying that I he has to play, uh, or else I, I don't see them winning. Uh, whatever that divisional game is. Um, regardless of who it is. So like I said, you pl- you play a hot team like New York or Green Bay, if they win their wild card game, I mean, that, that's not good. Yeah, a couple notes from me on this one. Uh, the Saints, in my opinion, have a lawsuit on their hands with the way they've treated Jameis Winston. <laughs> I mean... It's just ridiculous throwing Andy Dawn out there week after week. Unless Jameis is somehow actually not healthy, he should be starting for the for the Saints. He is the best quarterback on their roster by a landslide. Uh, and as for the Eagles, yeah, next week they're facing the Giants. Giants don't have anything to play for, but you don't think the Giants want to play spoilers to the Eagles? Could and their chance at the one seed, make them play in the first round, that changes almost everything in the NFC playoff picture. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, if I'm any team in the NFC right now, regardless of who it is, I do not want to fucking see the New York Giants at all. All right, and with the Saints win, we'll go to the next game, Panthers at Bucks. Bucks win to clinch the division. After this whole season... The way they played, and Tom Brady still clinches clinches the division, makes the playoffs, I believe, like 14 years in a row or something. Like, as much as I doubted it, I always knew they were going to win this division. There was no other way this season ended than Tom Brady winning the division. Yeah, Carolina quarterback. Um, oh, I'm just – I'm diving right in. Sam fucking Darnold. Carolina, you have your man. Don't fuck it up. Just go all in on Sam Darnold. Go all in. Steve Wilkes is the right man for the job. He's got this team completely turned around. They're still playing hard. Um, the, at the beginning of the year, it looked like it was going to be a complete dumpster fire. You know, once Baker Mayfield, much to my uh, chagrin, turned out to not be very good. Um, and then going to P.J. Walker as the number two, that didn't work out worth shit outside of that miracle Hail Mary, which, to his credit, was probably the best throw of the season um, by anybody. But Seabook's coming in. Uh, Matt Rule was an idiot and fat. Um, Sam Darnold's the man, uh, I think. he He's their franchise quarterback. Um, it's not just because he went to USC or anything. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, he's just clearly played – his best football of his career his last few weeks. I mean, going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, having a chance to win that game at the end. Uh, can't can't say enough about Sam. And, yeah, Josh, to piggyback off your point, 
Tom Brady is immortal. He you cannot you can't kill him. He's impossible to kill. Honestly, he's gonna fucking make it to the NFC Championship game. I have no doubt about it. Somehow, some way. Of course, at the end of the fucking season, him and Mike Evans just poof, figure it out. You know, I don't know how much of that had to do with throwing in CJ Henderson's vicinity every time. Cause he is a completely worthless cornerback, but, um, yeah, you, you can't kill Brady Buccaneers whenever you think they're, they're done or, you know, the, the team is just not playing well. It, they find a way. Um, it's disappointing as one of the bigger Tom Brady haters out there, but, um, to me, this game is about Sam Darnold, and I think Carolina has their man. They need to keep building that roster around him. Yeah, as long as the players uh, are happy with him in the locker room, I, I think there's no reason not to. He's been playing well these past few weeks. And, you know, for the Bucks, you know, as of now, they're looking to play the Cowboys, potentially the Eagles, but most likely the Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs. And, Tom Brady owns the Cowboys, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tom Brady in, in divisional weekend after the way he's played this season. So, can I throw one more thing in there about Sam Darnold? Just because people think are probably going to think all you know eleven people that are going to listen to this podcast, uh, they might think I'm being a little hyperbolic about this. His five starts this season, one game, one fucking game, less than a 100 passer rating. Five games, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, one pick. He, he, you have your man right there. You know, that's without McCaffrey. He actually gets the ball to DJ Moore, which somehow Baker Mayfield managed to not do. Like, Sam Donald's the guy, uh, I think, you know, the defense, you have the right pieces there. If J.C. Horn can stay healthy, you have Brian Burns, who is an elite pass rusher. Derek Brown is an absolute fucking savage. Shaq Thompson's a dog at linebacker. You have guys at every level. Jeremy Chin, Utah, Pac-12. Let's go. Um, you got Icky Aquanu, a left tackle now. I think you build around Sam Darnold and you have the extra draft picks from the Niners. I, I think Carolina's actually going to be a very, very desirable job um, if they don't stick with Steve Wilkes. But, yeah, I just want to throw those numbers out there about Sam Darnold because I don't think he's being talked about enough for the job he's done the last five weeks. Probably the situation he's been in throughout his whole career with the least amount of pressure, and I feel like he's just playing free and looks faster than ever. But I really don't have anything other to add to this game other than it didn't look exactly how we thought, but we always knew the Bucks would end up on top of this shitty division yeah, their record isn't great, but even three weeks ago when they were at the lowest of the low, I had zero doubt in my mind that they would come out on top. And then again, with a home playoff game, possibly be dangerous. Yeah, it would have been the Saints if they started Jameis, but they didn't. So Bucks, Bucks and Tom Brady make the playoffs. It would Next have been game, over by Thanksgiving. Next game, Browns at Commanders. Browns end the Commanders' season by beating them on Sunday. Uh, also, Ron Rivera came out of the court after the game, did not know of the playoff Im- implications of this game. Started Carson Wentz, who threw three picks in this game. I'll just well, I'll leave it there. 
he he already admitted he didn't know what the playoff implications were when he named Carson Wentz the starter. So there's that. But I, I mean, the, the even with Heineke, I mean, they went tie, loss, loss. So I feel like they were gonna backwards skid out of the playoffs regardless. I don't have anything to say about the Browns other than Deshaun Watson sucks and always has sucked. And people hate him now because of the type of person he is. But you should just also hate him because he's never been good at football. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really know where to start with this because I want to start defending Corinth. Um That's impossible to do after yesterday. Um, and on the other side, Deshaun Watson is uh, a scumbag. And uh quick note on that, I love that LeBron James stopped being a Cowboys fan because Jerry Jones wanted people to stand for the anthem. Whatever your politics are aside, whatever. But now he's like a diehard Deshaun Watson guy, which is just hilarious to me. Just wanted to throw it out there. Um, yeah, Carson Wentz. Um, Huge fan of his. Uh, yesterday, I don't know what he was doing at all. Every single one of those interceptions, you just watch them, and each one just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, thrown into double coverage. The one, the first one that got caught at midfield, I mean, could not have been more underthrown. Um, also in double coverage. It's just that game start to finish, had no fucking idea what he was looking at besides, like, one or two throws that he made. It's like nobody else in the NFL could have made that throw. Like, wh- why don't you just do that all the fucking time? Um, yeah, he, he's he's too reckless. Um, I think it's time for me to, to hang it up on Carson Wentz. I, I just can't – I can't do it anymore. Yeah, starting this podcast 17 weeks into the season uh, has to be said that the Browns have officially ruined the NFL by the contract they gave to Sean Watson. Well, we're yeah. gonna see that we're gonna see that play out for for off seasons to come. I don't think we've seen the last of of what they've done to the NFL with that contract. There's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be holdouts. Uh, the effects of that contract are going to be seen for years to come. Maybe even new rules added. Quick note on the Commanders, though. Yes, they had a pretty solid shot of getting in the postseason. You know, went out, you're you're in, kind of deal. But realistically, did anyone fucking expect the Commanders to be a playoff team? Like just looking at that roster, knowing the quarterback situation with how Wentz has been very inconsistent. You know, third team, three years. Turns the ball over a ton at the worst possible time. Um, you know, I, I just don't – I never bought the Commanders as a playoff team regardless. The Heineke thing's a nice story. But, like, that defense is very overrated for what they for what they allegedly have. Chase Young came back, didn't really do a ton. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just never really bought the Commanders in the first place. So, yeah, it was kind of like – Ron Rivera, what the fuck, but it's also like, let's be honest about what they are. Yeah, last thing I'll say on this game on my end, 
Josh, you kind of brought it up earlier, but I feel like how horrible this contract is is just no longer being talked about. Like, everyone's talking about how bad the Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray contracts are, which I agree that they are both looking bad at this point. But Watson's is fully guaranteed, is about to kick in. They lost this entire season, and does do any of you have any confidence whatsoever that the Kevin Stefanski led Browns are going to be a playoff team next year. And they're only going to have to pay him more and more money. Like, and I feel like, yes, they're irrelevant because they're out of the playoffs this year. And that's kind of what everybody was expecting. But in contract terms, I feel like no one is realizing how horrible this is going to be for them over the next five years, but everybody's worried about Denver and Arizona. Yeah, and uh, to your point about that, um, I know we haven't talked about any of the other three teams in the AFC North yet, but, I mean, realistically speaking, I think going forward they have the worst coach in the division. I think um, the have – the Lamar Jackson thing figured out this offseason, we don't know, but hypothetically, if they do, they have, at best, the third best quarterback in the division. Um, I mean, considering what we've seen from Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, prior to the whole, you know, being a sexual assaulter, he was obviously significantly better than Lamar Jackson, but anywho. Um, well, I don't know. I still think Brown's beating the Bengals, the Ravens in that division. And then if Pickett ends up being a franchise guy, I don't, I sure as hell don't think they beat the Steelers. Um, so I, I think the Browns to both, to, to everyone's point have completely shot themselves in the foot and they shot everybody else in the NFL in the foot because now kind of like the root cause of the Lamar Jackson thing is him wanting more and more guaranteed dollars because of that contract. Um, and the Ravens not being willing to give it to him based on his style of play, hence, you know, injuries now, end of the, this season, end of last season. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I don't think anyone in the media is talking about how bad that contract is, but I guarantee you all the front offices around the league are talking about how dumb a contract that was, starting oh, with the Ravens. Jimmy Haslam is the most hated owner in the NFL by a mile. Which is honestly impressive considering Daniel Snyder still owns the fucking Commanders. All right, next game, Jags at Texans. Jags win despite Trevor Lawrence's performance. I think it's safe to say that Davis Mills' MVP candidacy came to an end yesterday. Um, Yeah, I think think we can rule him out after yesterday's game specifically. Yeah, I, I think he had a real shot up until yesterday. Um, love Davis Mills, um, Stanford product, Pac-12 for life. Um, I mean, that game was tied with the Atlanta fucking Arizona game, game of the week. Um, didn't matter what the Jags did, win, lose, tie, doesn't matter. Their season comes uh, this upcoming uh, Saturday night uh, for the division didn't mean anything. Texans, they're just trying to hold on to that number one overall pick. So they're like, please beat us. Um, yeah, that, that's really all there is to this game. Um, it was pretty obvious. Neither team really wanted to be there. Um, completely irrelevant game. 
I have zero input as well. The AFC South is almost as irrelevant as the NFC South. I, I actually, I don't know. For some reason, I even think the NFC South may be better. But no, I have nothing to add. Again, Jaguars could have sat people this game. Tennessee chose to earlier in the week. They didn't, I guess, just because they want to give Lawrence some more playing time, which, as you said earlier, he didn't even look great out there. But this game could have not happened, and nothing would have changed. Yeah, so Tennessee's coming into that game next week on a six-game losing streak. It came out today that they are starting Dobbs again. Uh, That's who they're going with. Uh, what do we think the line is? Titans at Jags next week. At Jags, I'm going to say, I think they're going to give a hook. I'm going to say three and a half, Jacksonville. That's a hook that I would definitely bite on if it's the case. But I'm going to say even more. Not, I don't think it'll creep all the way up to six, just out of respect for the divisional rivalry. I'd say Jags minus five and a half. Yeah, it's opened at it's open to Jags minus six and a half. I'm sure that has to do with the quarterback play in Tennessee losing six games in a row. I just don't know if they have enough to muster up one more win and make the playoffs this year. I, I don't know. Dude, Vrabel, Vrabel's a top five, six coach in the league. Um, those guys would literally run through a fucking wall for him. And as someone that watches a shitload of college football, Ian is a Steelers fan. I love Josh Dobbs. I think he's actually the best quarterback they have on the roster. I don't think he ever really got a fair shot. He played really, really well given the circumstances last week. Um, I think it's definitely a winnable game for them. And considering the fact that, you know, this is Trevor Lawrence and that Jaguars team. This is their first real taste of anything postseason like. I think, um, we kind of see how that pressure could kind of weigh on them. Obviously him and Etienne, all the the shit they did at Clemson, you'd think they're going to be more prepared, but you know, the Titans are just probably the most physical team in the NFL. Um, I I definitely think six and a half. I think uh, I would take the Titans. Um, I'll take the Titans on that line for sure. But if it comes down, you know, four and a half, three and a half, then I would think about Jacksonville, but um, I, I think this game is tight. I think it's like a, you know, an ugly, like the Steelers Ravens last night. I, I see a, a very low scoring. I don't think any team goes over 20 points. Well, if that's the case, I'd say the Titans probably win. If they find a way to make this game messy, I think they win. I think they find a way, like you said, with Vrabel, if they keep this thing messy, low scoring and close, I think they have the edge. I think it's going to take Jags, uh, Lighting up the scoreboard to to win this one. Yeah, I just don't see that. I can't I can't see Etienne running the ball a bunch uh, with Jeffrey Simmons and those guys. Um, and you know if Henry is you know plays like himself, he, he's playing right. I believe so. Yeah, I think he was just out this week for uh, for rest purposes. Yeah, so I mean if he plays up to his typical level. I mean, historically, he fucking owns Jacksonville. Obviously, this Jacksonville team's a little bit different, but I mean, those two 98-yard runs that he has, those are both both against the Jags. Like, historically, he fucking owns them. Multiple 200-yard games. Um, I, I think 
I, I, I don't want to write off the Titans just yet. They're a team kind of like how we talked about Brady and the Bucks. You just can't really seem to kill them. People forget, you know, they were the one seed last year. Um, obviously what they do once they get in the postseason is a little bit different, but, um, I think Vrabel's going to have those boys ready to roll. And, uh, honestly, spoiler alert, I might be taking the Titans in that game when we do our, uh, week 18 preview. Don't fall for the bait because I am a Vrabel fan as well and think he is always juicy as an underdog, similar to Mike Tomlin. But I honestly expected them to win more games throughout this stretch and was expecting them to ride their toughness, ride Derrick Henry. And over the past few weeks when he played, he was rushing for over 100 yards and they were still losing. So I learned my lesson a few weeks ago and just would be on the side of the Jags just because I don't think the Titans have the horses left. All right, next game, 49ers at Raven, at Raiders, 37-34 in overtime. Thoughts on this one? Lost a lot of money. Thank fucking God the Raiders didn't win this game for my sanity. Initial thought. Yeah, Derek um, Carr benched coming into this week. Offense looked pretty good against a very good 49ers defense. Everyone, Waller, Adams, Jacobs, they were all getting involved early. Uh, yeah, I also would just say I think this is one of the few games where they have all actually been on the field together. But nonetheless, against this San Francisco defense, it was still impressive. I always felt in my gut that they would find a way to lose this game. I was definitely sweating at moments throughout this game, especially when it went to overtime. But the better team won, and I'm not even going to sit here and say that if Carr was playing based on this performance that they would have won this game. But we know the financial reasons why he's actually left the team and so on and so forth. But honestly, tough showing from the Raiders playing as hard as they did. Um. On that note, though, there's a couple underlying things that I think aren't being talked about enough. Uh, one, Stidham's time in New England with McDaniels before. So I think there's more of a familiarity with the system and how it's supposed to be run. Not to say Derek Carr, you know, with uh, preseason OTAs, you know, playing the last 16 games, whatever. Yes, but I think Stidham, you know, like I said, understands the system, knows where the ball is supposed to go. I think that had a lot to do with his success yesterday. Also, you know, a lot of teams, when they're already eliminated in the playoffs, the guy gets benched, blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of like uh, they just play, seem to play harder. You know, I, I think next week they they come back down to earth, and I think Stidham plays horribly. Um that's just how I feel personally. Um, and obviously there's no tape for the 49ers to really look at as far as what Stidham's going to do. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, like he didn't have his best statistical game yesterday, but I mean, like Nick Bosa said, I mean, I think right now he is the best running back in the NFL. It's kind of hard to argue against that. Um, for my money, I'd say offensive player of the year. Um, and yeah, those are really good points. And it's honestly making my, me put my tinfoil hat on here and say that 
Josh McDaniels not getting by me, but he is trying to be really, really crafty with saving his job and trying to not end his head coaching tenure forever. Because I do think that is a good point, the lack of Tate, the familiarity with New England. You know, so I think his number one goal at this point is to go into next season and just make sure as much of the world as possible thinks this wasn't my fault. Even though I think he deserves more blame than anyone else, besides the fact that they're just a broke-ass franchise in general. Oh, I mean, I I don't see there. There's no way for him to get out of this in terms of the blame train. You know, being the first team in NFL history to blow five games, in which you have a second half double-digit lead, like that. That what hunt to me will always fall 100 percent on the head coach. Like, yeah, we know a thing or two about that. Like f- five games, that's not a fluke. You know, that is that's coming from the coaching staff down. That's adjustments time management, everything, you know, uh, obviously, you know, turnovers and things like that at the end of the day, players play, but five games, if it's one or two, okay, we, we can look at that, but five games, I mean, you had teams on the ropes all season long, you know, you look at them, they're six and 10 with those five games, they very easily could be, you know, an 11 and five football team, but they're not. So uh, I think, at the end of the day, if you pull back the curtain, it's it's always going to be McDaniels. Not to say that they can't turn it around with the talent they have. But, um, yeah, much like the Broncos, I think they significantly underachieved despite having those those large leads. I mean, I just don't I just don't see it. I mean, you see a distinct coaching difference yesterday. You know, they're up, what was it, 24 to 10 at one point. And then, you know, Kyle Shannon and – Brock fucking Purdy, and it's, I love Brock Purdy. Again, college football guy, loved him in Iowa State. Um, he had, at one point was projected to be a first-round pick before he ended his college tenure playing the worst football of his life. Um, I love Brock Purdy, but that, they have, you have to put that team away. You, you cannot let Brock fucking Purdy come back down multiple scores in the second half. You just can't do it. And they tried to give the to him with Robbie Gold missing a fucking 41-yard field goal. I never thought in a million years. I turned that game off. I was like, all right, whatever. And I saw they were in overtime. And I was like, what the fuck? So uh, I do think at the end of the day it's 110% on McDaniels, regardless of uh, Derek Carr um, probably having his worst season since the rookie year. Oh, without a doubt, statistically this has been his worst season. I just don't see how their quarterback situation improves in the next year. I don't think anybody in this draft, <clears throat> nor anybody on the market outside of unless you want to try to reach for Grady or Rogers on like a ride off into the sunset one year lease. I don't think they get any better at quarterback. And again, you're tied up into McDaniels financially. So, I honestly now will put on paper, if you had to bet, that the Raiders will be even worse next year than this year. Yeah, and they're not committed to Jacobs at this point. But on the uh, other side of the ball, 49ers, nine-game nine win streak, they're looking dangerous. They're winning any way possible, and Brock Purdy's putting together some convincing games over the past few weeks. Uh, this is definitely a team – no one's going to want to play in the playoffs. They're definitely the team to beat. I mean, to 
the point you just made. They're winning multiple different ways. They're winning ugly. They're winning shootouts any way you shake it down. Um, they're winning with defense. They're winning with offense. It's They're just a really well-coached team, both sides of the ball. They have talent everywhere, even when guys like Debo, um, but their top two quarter, alleged top two quarterbacks go down. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, they've won in this stretch. They've won a game 13 to zero and in back to back weeks have put up 37 points. So I don't think there's anything they can't do. And yeah, I think, I think they're the team to beat in the NFC. Nick Bosa, defensive player of the year. He certainly has earned it and deserves to get votes. Yeah, I would say similar to when you were talking about Daniel Jones being a more athletic Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Brock Purdy is just a more athletic Jimmy Garoppolo and is kind of a perfect happy medium between the physicality of Lance and then the just do-your-job distributing of Garoppolo, where I believe they're in the best situation they've been in all year and with Philly floundering. I certainly would not want to play them in the playoffs. I think you would be hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't think San Francisco is going to be coming out of the NFC at this point. Oh, yeah, especially, dude, especially when they get uh, Debo back. I mean, that offense, if Brock Purdy if doesn't just suddenly start, you know, lights getting too bright for him kind of thing, you get Debo back, Kittle's still healthy, the run game is there, um, it, it, that team is – has to be the favorite in the NFC, regardless of what Philly does next week. You've got to put some respect on Brandon Ayuk there too. He's balling. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But I mean, you put you you have him and Debo with a healthy killings. That's scary. All right, next game: Jets at Seahawks. This one was pretty much over from the start. Free money. Free money. Yeah. yeah I, was outrageous to me. That was the for me that was the easiest bet of the week. Um, Gino revenge game didn't get talked about enough. Mike White first game back in a long time, not a long time, but a, a few weeks. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the Mike White train has finally come to a screeching halt. You know, for me, uh, obviously we didn't record prior to these games, but. When I was talking about these games with people, you know, I was like, this is the game. He comes back down to earth a little bit. Uh, and he, he showed it, you know, last year. S- same thing happened last year when he came in. You know, he lit it up. He had like that, that one 400 yard game, lit it up first couple of starts and then boom, th- three picks. You know, Mike White is what he is. I think he's a really elite backup quarterback. If that's a thing, he definitely fits the bill. Um, the good thing, the silver lining for the Jets is that, you know, uh, you could still probably get something for Zach Wilson. And I do think if I'm Derek Carr and the Raiders are kind enough to release me rather than trade me, or even if they do trade him, I think that's the number one spot for a guy like Derek Carr. You put Derek Carr on that team, they're a 10 win team, I think, pretty easily with that defense and Garrett Wilson and company. Yeah, my deep inception thinking for this game was just how bad is Zach Wilson that even the players in the Jets locker room tricked themselves and the general public into ever thinking Mike White was good. Like, any backup can have a flash-in-the-pan game, but just 
people forget that even with as bad as Zach Wilson was, I mean, he won. There was a stretch where he was, what, 5-1 and one or 5-2 and two as the starter. And I just don't understand why Jets fans ever thought Mike White was going to be a significant improvement over him. I think they just need to accept this season as a win based on their roster. And then, like you said, anything in the quarterback market. Derek would be probably the best available besides the old legends. But even anybody else, Garoppolo, whoever else is on the market, should have that Jets roster as a playoff team next year. Yeah, you you put – I mean, the thing with Garoppolo, obviously, is his health. But I, I think if I'm the Jets, Derek Carr and Garoppolo are, are number one, number two, um, depending on the, the Lamar situation. Yeah, this was a uh, – this. Playoff on the line for both of these teams, and the Seahawks just came out and dominated. So I think the the better team won this game. The Jets need some help at quarterback. Other than that, you know, they have a good roster. They just got to find some answers. All right, next game is Vikings at Packers. Vikings 17, Packers 41. To me, this game, this is why it's hard for a wide receiver to win MVP. You know, Jefferson came in. People were starting to talk. Complete no-show. And when you rely on another man for your stats, you know it's tough to be considered the most valuable in the league, in my opinion. And I think that I think this game shows why it, it normally goes to a quarterback. I uh, to say I whiffed on this game in terms of betting is an understatement. Um, I. I just completely thought that Jair Alexander was going to eat his words. I thought uh, I thought the Vikings were going to come out and kind of prove a point and the Packers' hopes in Lambeau. It just had all the makings for a statement game for the Vikings, who have been largely, um, I don't want to say disrespected, because there's certainly some, there's some merit to the fraud comments, but... I mean, their four losses getting outscored like 160 to 50. Uh, that says a lot. Um, yeah, no, they, they laid an egg top to bottom, special teams, defense, um, offense, obviously, was fucking pathetic. Um, yeah, no, uh, completely whiffed on this game. Cousins played horribly. Aaron Rodgers did what he had to do, you know, most talented quarterback of all time, greatest quarterback of all time. It's going to get this team in the fucking playoffs. And honestly, I think they're a scary team in the playoffs um, in a pretty overall poor NFC. Um, but, yeah, no, Vikings at this point, does anyone really believe in them? I, I don't think so. Um, Absolutely not. I, I don't think Vikings fans believe in the Vikings. I think this – this week was a nice warm-up for Vikings fans of what they can expect in the playoffs. Now, if a game is close, they could continue their one-score magical streak of just winning everything that's close. But there's a reason they were dogs in their own division to both the Lions and the Packers and lost both of those games. So, if Vegas doesn't take them seriously, I certainly don't take them seriously either, and I really don't think anybody does. Can they win a playoff game or two? Of course, but everybody's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
Yeah, they just don't bring it consistently enough to last in the playoffs. You need to bring your A game every week. And as we've seen, when they when they go against some of these playoff caliber teams, they're getting absolutely blown out. And even if they can stay with the playoff team one week, I I don't see them doing it multiple weeks in a row. That being said, Packers-Lions, Sunday night this week, Packers winning in. Aaron Rodgers doing what he needs to do. This is going to be an awesome fucking game. Hopefully snow in Lambeau, good UDs. Two teams I've obviously grown to appreciate Aaron Rodgers in my later years, but two teams that are just going to be fun to watch, so that's a good one coming up. Yeah, I, I actually don't. Th- yes, it seems like a good game on paper, um, and Dan Campbell's going to have the boys fired up, but Jared Goff, uh, kind of what we touched on earlier, um, cold weather, outdoors, Packers are a physical team coming off a, a very emotional high win. I think they're going to be ready to play at home in Lambeau. Lambeau's going to be rocking. Uh, I, I don't see this game being particularly close, um, unfortunately, uh, for a Sunday night regular season cap. But, uh, yeah, no, I I think the Packers lay on them early uh, with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Uh, and I think Jared Goff's going to have a couple picks, 150 yards maybe, one of those kind of games. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a blowout as what we saw yesterday in Lambeau, but I definitely see, a, you know, a 24 to 10, just, you know, start to finish, not necessarily a close game. Yeah, not it might not be close, but if the Seahawks lose earlier in the day, this game is winning in for either team. So, you know, a lot on the line. And, yeah, the Packers are going to win it. And I am looking forward to nothing less than Aaron Rodgers' dumb fucking smirk on his face after they win this game and they're in the playoffs with all the shit the media talked about him when they were playing. He's just going to have a stupid smile on his face, and I am not ready for it. In defense of this podcast, it would be nice if Jared Goff just it ushered in a new era and balled out but I don't see it either. Yeah, it'd be disingenuous of me to say anything other than that. Small hands, cold weather, don't mix. Next game, Rams at Chargers. Chargers took care of business, did what they needed to do as well. In terms of quarterback play, this game was basically Super Bowl, um, including Chase Daniel getting a couple pass attempts in at the end of the game. Um, yeah, Baker, uh, I, re- I really don't know where he goes from here. I think at this point he's got a Andy Dalton-like trajectory where he's just going to be, or, or even a Chase Daniel type. Um, obviously Chase didn't have any of the success Baker's had as a, a starter, but um, someone that's just going to always have a job um, as a, you know, a top-level backup somewhere. And obviously, I want him to get a shot somewhere. I think he fits somewhere like Tampa Bay, but uh, or even with the Rams. I think if you give him an offseason, a Stafford retires or or whatever happens there. But um, yeah, this game was pretty much went about as expected. Mike, let him go to New York. Let's see what he's got. I got faith in him. He's electric. I don't think he would fit there personally. Um, Just they got weapons and a defense. I think he can do it. For me, it's just more about the environment. Um, he's still, to me, immature. 
um, in a lot of ways, unfortunately. In LA. Yeah, but it's more laid back there, and USC is back. USC is back, which I think a lot of people are, you know, just all about Caleb Williams. Um, The Rams are already irrelevant this season, and they've got their rings, so I feel like there's no pressure there, really, especially given, you know, they are ravaged by injuries on offense. You know, your number one receiver is Van Jefferson and 2-2 Atwell. I mean, come on. Um, So, yeah, I I don't think Baker gets a a starting shot next year necessarily, um, unless there's, like, an injury or something. But, um, yeah, this game went about as expected. Eckler is just a fantasy god. That's pretty much the only thing I have. I mean, Rams were eliminated. Chargers already clinched. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Austin Eckler should get some consideration for Offensive Player of the Year. He really should. They showed a graphic um, of just his receiving numbers and his production out of the backfield. And, I mean, him – uh, LaDainian Tomlinson and McCaffrey are like in a tier all of their own in terms of receiving production out of the backfield. So yeah, he's an absolute stud. And I mean, how old is he too? That's the other thing. I feel he's like he's got old. 30. He's like, no, he's like 27, I think. Oh, okay. Maybe he just looks old. He looks like exactly what it is. He's 27. No word. Yeah. Chargers getting healthy at the right time. You know, something that Ooh. Chargers aren't used to. So we'll, we'll see what they can do with it. Well, with that, uh, Mac just got hurt in that game. Yeah, hand to God, never thought they would make it this far. Yeah, but now it's time for Justin Herbert to put on his big boy pants. He finally made the playoffs. You know, we've been waiting for this since he was drafted. He's finally in. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he does with it. I'm excited to see. Could make or break my take, but I'm excited to see. God, is it time for (laughs) – my game. Uh, yeah, next game, Steelers Ravens. I'm just gonna go ahead and take four on this one. Steelers uh, sixteen, Ravens thirteen. Kenny Pickett. Um, ice. Um, there is a pretty viral video of me um, loathing. His draft status. Um, I did not want the Steelers to take him in the first round. I was furious about it, and at this point, I could say I was I was wrong. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, I think you were right. I, I think Kenny is definitely a franchise quarterback. Um, he's had troubles um, for sure, but I think a the scheme lacks creativity. You know, when opposing teams are calling out the Steelers' offense for running the same fucking plays over and over again. I think that speaks to the inexperience of the offensive coordinator who has no business being in the position he's in. Um, I'll save that for the later segment. But, um, yeah, I think, Kenny, this week and last week, these these fourth quarter, last-minute drives to win the game, um, I think he's 10 of 12 with 144 passer rating on those two drives. Um, I mean – the kid's got stones. He's running for his life every play last night. Um, some of the throws he was making on this drive, the one to Sims over the middle, absolute fucking laser, perfect throw, ballsy throw. And then the, the touchdown play, obviously, to Najee was, a, was an excellent play. I think um, one thing that's being lost, though, in the Steelers, 
the last few weeks. Um, that's now five straight games. They've allowed 17 or less points on defense. So the defense is back to playing at an elite level. Minka Fitzpatrick is about to be a first-team All-Pro for the third time in five years. I don't want to hear a fucking word about any other safety in the NFL. He's clearly the number one safety in the NFL, bar none. Uh, T.J. Watt seems to be getting healthier and healthier. Najee Harris had his best game as a pro. To me, with how they're playing, with how the defense is playing, Kenny's getting more and more confident. They won't let this team in the playoffs. I think they play spoiler for whoever they see in the wild card round. I don't think they get further than that. Um, or I'm sorry, I don't, yeah, I don't think they do anything in divisional when they get there. But, uh, yeah, don't let this team in the playoffs with how they're playing recently. Um, I think this is a perfect Mike Tomlin team. He's pissed me off to no end a lot this season, but at the end of the day, you can't take away with how the team's played the last four or five weeks. So, uh, yeah, Kenny's the guy for the future. Uh, and I never thought I'd say that, but he, he's the guy. And uh, fuck the Ravens. They suck. Yeah. Most overrated team year in, year out. So tired of hearing about them. Um, and as a Steelers fan, nobody on the fucking planet wants them to re-sign Lamar Jackson more than I do. So with that being said, I'll leave it to you too. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll start. Um I'd pump the brakes on the Steelers defense. Ravens haven't scored over sixteen points since Thanksgiving. Uh and if the Steelers make it, they're probably pay, playing the Bills in the wild card. So I mean I'd welcome that spoiler, but I don't think we're gonna see that. Yeah, I mean the Ravens just aren't fun to watch. They don't score points. They're the coaching decisions aren't great. They're not a fun team to watch right now. They've clinched their playoff spot, so we will see them in the playoffs. Uh, the chance to maybe play the Bengals. So I, I'm not excited necessarily where we stand right now. Um, you know, Lamar hurt his knee five weeks ago. It was originally reported as a one to three week injury. So. I just don't know where we stand with uh, with everything. Yeah, you can uh, go more into depth when we get into our state of the franchise talk, but the biggest thing about this game that I've been bitching about all year from a Ravens standpoint is, A, as you hit on, it's just bestiality to watch on offense. Similar to the Patriots, somehow they are in every game, but I want no parts of watching it. I would rather just check the final score at the end and be like, oh, cool, we pulled it out, or oh, bummer, we didn't. And what they did at the end of this game was a microcosm of the entire season, which is anti-complimentary football. You can play good defense all game, but then the one time you need a stop, you can't get it, and the one time you need to just get into field goal range with the best kicker in the NFL – Granted, I did not have high expectations for Huntley, but we seem to be moving the ball pretty well all night. The one time we need to stop, we can't get it. The one time we need to go down the field and get points, we can't do it. We did turn down the opportunity for a 60-yard field goal with Justin Tucker. I don't know how you feel about that. For the sake of our fantasy team, I would have loved to trot him out there, but I believe we still had at least a four-point lead at that point. I don't know when that was. Jay, I know you were there, but I believe it was still either 6-13 to or 9-13 at that point when we punted. So especially if we were up seven still, I'm cool with that. 
Well, I believe, I believe, I believe we were up four. Well, the officials spotted four points to the Ravens as well. Um, that was the worst unnecessary roughness call. Uh, we're not going to be a ref show. Well, we're not going to be a ref show, but objectively speaking, that was a horrific call. Um, Refs make bad calls in every single game to every single team. We're not about to become that. Well, it, it, gave, it gave the Ravens four points, so I think it is certainly relevant. If it means Incorrect. us moving on, if it means us moving on, yes, in real time, I did sit there and say, dang, that was a bad call. But, but the amount of happened. bad calls made in the NFL, it's completely irrelevant. Fair play. So now we get into segment two, Monday night preview. Bills at Bengals. I will respectfully go last on this one because I know you both probably have a lot to say. I'm going to be watching this game with a large bottle of lubricant and a box of tissues. Um, We get to watch the two best quarterbacks in the NFL go head-to-head in a a game with a lot at stake. Um, Obviously, the Bills must-win game to keep that number one seed. Um, Bengals, they still have an outside chance, I believe, at the number one seed if they win out. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't foresee the Chiefs losing uh, next week. Anyway, beside the point, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Two best quarterbacks in the NFL play two very different styles of football, which I love. Um, Burrow, uh, I'm not going to be that guy. It's like, oh, he's so cool, Joe Cool. Mm, not going to be that guy. Um, no one throws – more consistently accurate, with better anticipation and timing, plays on time, plays in rhythm. Um, he, he's really fun to watch. Again, um, I could not have been more wrong about Joe Burrow. I, I When he came out, I said he was just going to be a slightly better version of Andy Dalton. Um, obviously, that was wrong. Kid's a freak. Um, and then segueing into Josh Allen, the single most talented player in the NFL, uh, can make every throw. Don't get me wrong. He does some stupid ass shit sometimes, but you know, hey, I and mean, that's what that's what you get. You know, he, he's got a little Brett Favre in him. Um, but absolutely love these two. They're for my money the two best teams in the in the AFC. Uh, Bengals obviously own the Chiefs. Bills beat the Chiefs this season. Um, if the Bills defense plays to what they should be able to do. I think the Bills win this game. Um, I'm taking the Bills, I believe. It's one and a half right now. It's um, up to two and a half. It's up to two and a half. Two and a half over under 50 and a half. Well, that changes things. I actually, you know, I still like the two and a half. If it was a flat three, I probably would have taken uh, the Bengals. Um, but even then, I think it's a field goal game. So um, I'm riding with the Bills. Josh Allen, um, I think the MVP race is over. I think it's Mahomes to lose unless he has a horrific game this last week, which I don't expect to happen. Um, but I, I think this game uh, is probably the game of the year in terms of regular season. Um, can't wait to watch. I know you two hate Josh Allen, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to watch this game too. These are these are two teams that love to score points and turn the ball over, so there will be a lot of a lot of action all night. Um, personally, I like the Bengals at plus one. I like them even better at plus two and a half. 
and uh, I'll I'll hammer the over fifty and a half, uh, mostly because I'm always wrong, and I think this is going to be a pick fest. Um, so I could see this going over fifty and a half, maybe even a couple defensive touchdowns. We'll see. I think we can skip. I know this is completely irrelevant right now, but I would really like to skip the college football segment, considering USC just blew the fucking game against Tulane. That's fine. We've also been going for like over an hour and a half. Yeah, I say we just finish with um, our state of the franchise and weekly awards, and even then we'll still be at like the two fifteen mark probably. But yeah, as far as this game goes. For several reasons, fantasy football championship and also chief seeding, I am wholeheartedly rooting for the Bengals as well. They are at home. I think they should be favored. I am not betting on this game, but if I was, I would be taking the Bengals. And furthermore, I do not hate Josh Allen. I am forced to hate him because he is criminally overrated by everyone, including you. And... As a Chiefs fan, I would rather play the Bills again in the playoffs than Cincinnati. Memory serves. You were a big Josh Allen fan when he came out of college. Um, I don't understand why you feel he's so overrated. Uh, I think he is clearly, at worst, the third best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, putting him at putting him at three rates him more accurately than the national media puts him. I think that's why he's criminally overrated because he's consistently put at one A or one B in the NFL, and I just I think there's a gap. I think he makes too many mistakes, and I think uh, I think those get overlooked a lot. Well, I am. Someone that thinks he's the second best quarterback in the league. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, but I also have Burrow number one. Well, with that being said, we'll go on to uh, the state of the franchise segment. All right. Who wants to go first? I'm assuming for the sake of this podcast, even though being here in Baltimore, I root for the Ravens. Josh, you are much more pessimistic, which will probably be better to hear, and what Ravens fans need to hear at this point. So I figure you do the Ravens, Jay, you can do the Steelers, and then I'll finish out with the Chiefs. So, Josh, take it away. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic when it comes to the Ravens. I think I'm very realistic uh, compared to most fans. Um, I don't like where we're at currently. I don't think any Ravens fan should be confident going into the playoffs. Um, best case scenario, we get Lamar back after seven weeks off. I think there's a week in between the regular season and the playoffs. And we're going to, we're going to be facing the three seed, which is going to be either, I think it's going to be the Bengals. Um, we get a game against them next week to see, but, you know, there's a there's a lot of talk on in, in Ravens Twitter and Ravens World where the issues are. Not many people can agree, uh, and then it comes down to what are we going to do with Lamar? Are we going to pay him? Should we pay him? Would he consider playing on a tag? I don't think he would. I think that's been stated from him. So it's just a, there's just a lot more questions than answers going into the off season. And it just feels it feels like a lot of change is coming 
So I, I think I think after the change, we may be up on the up again. The Baltimore Ravens don't consistently stay down for a long period of time. So about that, I'm optimistic about the future, but we're going to have to see who's leading us. All right, Jay. Right now and moving forward, how are we feeling about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, I feel really good overall. Um, there's three games this year that they had no business losing. Um, actually, four games, excuse me. Uh, the Jets game in which Kenny came in at halftime, obviously, you know, people are going to sit here and say, oh, he threw three picks. Well, you know. Two of the picks are off receivers' hands, and one of the picks was at the end of the game, Hail Mary. So, whatever. That's where I think stats get a little tricky. Um, but anyway, so starting with that game, I think if he starts that game, um, we win. Uh, the Patriots game, I think he starts that game, we win. Dolphins game, you know, 16-10, that was by far his worst game of the season. Um, but that that's a winnable game. And then obviously he got hurt. Uh, with the concussion, the game against the Ravens in Pittsburgh, I think that was a winnable game. Regardless, they lost. They're eight and eight um, with the youngest offense in the NFL, the least amount of money spent on offense in the NFL. Um, so, I think what we're doing right now um, to be eight and eight with where we are is a uh, gives me a lot to look forward to. Obviously, a lot of reports are saying that Canada is pretty much as good as gone. Um, as soon as the season's over, whenever that is, regardless of uh, what we do um, in the postseason. So um, looking forward to that, hoping we can get someone a little bit more established <clears throat> in terms of uh, play calling with a little bit more experience. Someone's going to be willing to kind of push the ball downfield. I think you have someone like George Pickens. Uh, we get Calvin Austin back, fourth-round pick out of Memphis next year. He was hurt this season. So uh feel really good about where the offense is at. Um, I think this team with how they're playing right now, you know, starting with the loss against Cincinnati, you know, when Kenny went toe to toe with Joe Burrow, outplayed him in that game, uh shootout. Um, from then on, he's been pretty lights out, um, doing what he's asked to do, not turning the ball over. Um, last two weeks, these last second drives. I mean, you can't help but be encouraged from with what you're seeing. Defense, you know, five or six, whatever it is, the number last games, last five or six games, holding teams to 17 or fewer points. Uh, that's a lot to be said. So uh, I think this is a team you should not let in the postseason. Um, I think, like I said before, they get in the wild card round, they win for sure regardless of who they play, um, even if it is a team like Buffalo, who, who's a juggernaut, I think um, that's a team Tom will get the boys to play up for, um, despite them getting smoked by Buffalo early in the season. Um, I, I think that's a game, having watched the whole game, that was one that the score doesn't tell the whole story. But to wrap it up, I, I'm very encouraged with what I'm seeing from the Steelers, even if they don't make the playoffs at 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight and nine, I, I feel really strong. Fleece the Bears with that Claypool trade. I mean, Jesus Christ. The Bears, to be that desperate to pay a second-round pick uh, for Chase Claypool is just pathetic. That general manager should be fired on the spot. Um, so I feel good. You got three picks in the first probably 45 picks of the draft. 
put it all on offense, defense, whatever. doesn't matter. Um, everyone wanted Tomlin's head beginning of the season. And uh, I think now he's a dark horse for coach of the year, you know, especially if they make the postseason. So feel feel really good about where we're at. And uh, I think going from Roethlisberger to Pickett, I think is going to be a lot smoother of a transition than I originally thought. Yeah, it's definitely been a positive end to the season. And I think, as per usual, the AFC North will be another good and competitive division next year. But out to the Wild West to close this segment up, state of the franchise for the Chiefs, long term, could not feel better. Could not physically feel better. (coughs) Honestly, I do not think they need to draft an offensive player. I mean, obviously, on the line, you can always get more help. But I don't think they need to draft another skill position player all of next year or even the following year, considering Kadarius Tony trade and Sky Moore, who desperately needs more touches as a rookie. So they have the people. And then again, Kelsey, Juju there at the top end. I really think they just need to invest wholeheartedly in the defense moving forward, which they can do. And Brett Veach is a genius. As of right now, I am cautiously optimistic because I couldn't feel better about the offense and Mahomes, whatever you want to say. Again, they scored 27 against a defense in Denver that is good and did seem to be trying again for Paul Crew last or yesterday. <clears throat> and then the only thing that concerns me is that the de- defense, especially the secondary, which is extremely young, so, again, moving forward, I like the players that they have, including Trent McDuffie. But right now, it is a liability going into this season's playoffs. And then on top of that, the special teams has gone from debatably the best in the league to one of the worst between the muffed returns, the missed extra points, and missed field goals. Butker has been a complete nightmare, and I don't trust him going into the playoffs at all, and I really hope that Dave Tube, who is supposedly the best special teams coach in the league, can get them ready. So I expect them to press the playoff button with the experience they have, but I am definitely more concerned about this season than I am the state of the franchise for the next three years. And with that ending that segment, we will see everyone hopefully Friday for a week 18 preview episode. All right, boys. Are we not doing the award thing? We can. I mean, it's just, I, do you not have time, Josh? Do you need to get going? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah that's fine. It is we, can, we can do awards later. I'll say this was a, a pilot episode. 